0: Think about your life. Every day you wake up and fight to live in freedom and against fear. But Christ has already won the battle for our freedom. We didn't earn it. The battle was won when Jesus died on the cross. We don't deserve it. He gives us grace because of his great love for us. And our freedom was secured when Christ rose from the dead. The grace of God gives us freedom. Freedom from sin, freedom to live the life he calls us to. We aren't saved by trying harder. We aren't saved by trying to be good. Only Jesus can save us and set us free. So enjoy God's gift of grace in your life. Be at peace and live in freedom.
1: Well, did you have a good week? All right. I understand that Niagara Falls is upstate New York, not far from Buffalo. How many of you have ever been to Niagara Falls? Would you raise your hand? I have always wanted to go, and one day I'm going to go to Niagara Falls. Well, Niagara Falls is one of, I'm told, one of the most beautiful places in the entire world. And, in fact, this is a picture of Niagara Falls right there. Isn't that amazing? Wow. Now, 160 years ago, there was a guy named Charles Blondin, Charles Blondin, B-L-O-N-D-I-N, and he stretched a rope from one end of Niagara Falls all the way to the other end of Niagara Falls, and he walked on that tightrope. I don't know how he got it there. I don't know how he, he negotiated all that 160 years ago. This is mid 1800s. But I do know he did it. And in fact, he walked across that tightrope back and forth so many times. He got so good at it that he actually started walking on the tightrope backwards. It's unbelievable. And he did all kinds of tricks look at this picture. This picture is 160 years old, and this is Charles Blondin right there, and that's his swimming suit. It's a little bit different 160 years ago. Anyway, here he is. Look at the rope. Look how uneven this rope is. It's absolutely amazing. This guy would do all kinds of tricks. He could actually hang on the rope with just you know, his legs. One day, I I don't know how this happened, but apparently one day he actually took a chair and sat on the chair on the tightrope. I don't know how he did that. And in fact, one of the things I read is that he actually took one day a chair and a table, small little table. I don't get it. I don't know how in the world it would all work out. And he ate lunch sitting in the chair with the lunch on the table. I do not know how all that worked. But the most amazing trick he did is he went to a group of people that had gathered on one side and he asked them who would be willing to volunteer and ride on my back across Niagara Falls. And one guy said yes. Yes. One guy literally said yes, and this is a picture of the guy on his back going across Niagara Falls, and they both made it. They made it to the other side. Now, everything I've told you about Charles Blondin is absolutely true, but the next statement I'm going to make didn't actually happen because what if this guy on his back would have said about halfway across, you know what? This isn't as hard as I thought it was. I think what I'm going to do is jump off his back and I will walk by myself. Well, about one second later, he would be dropping like a rock, right? He would have to be insane to jump off his back. Frankly, I think he's insane to get on his back. God says to us, You'd have to be insane to live the Christian life today without the power of the Holy Spirit. You'll never make it. It will never be accomplished. It will always elude you. You've got to have the power of the Holy Spirit to live for Jesus Christ today, to walk with Jesus Christ today. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. We're going through the book of Galatians together. And... We've arrived at Galatians chapter 3. The book of Galatians is all about one great idea, how to live in freedom. But this morning, I want to talk to you about how to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. God wants to be the guide of our life. He wants to be the source of our strength, the source of of our power. And God becomes the source of our power as we yield ourselves to Him, as we surrender ourselves to Him. The more we surrender ourselves to God, the greater the power in our life. In Galatians chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, it says this, you foolish Galatians who has bewitched you, Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I'd like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you've heard? Are you so foolish after beginning with the Spirit? Are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? As we've been walking through the book of Galatians together, there is one abiding theme that is just constant, and we've seen it over and over again, this idea that we are saved by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ and nothing else. And Paul reiterates that truth in the 14, first 14 verses of Galatians chapter 3. But there is a sub-theme that is happening in this same passage of Scripture. Not just three verses, but the first 14 verses. Paul is talking to us about the Holy Spirit, about the power of the Holy Spirit, about our need for the Holy Spirit, about what the Holy Spirit can do in and through our lives. We have talked over and over about the fact that we are saved by grace in faith in Jesus Christ alone. But this morning, I want to zero in on that sub-theme that Paul is talking about throughout these 14 verses, and it is that theme of the Holy Spirit. Who is He? How can we tap into that power of the Holy Spirit? What is He trying to do in and through our lives? Now, the first thing that I want us to talk about is this very idea, you can live your Christian life in God's power. And the truth is, in this day, in this culture, we could never survive without it. But that's really been true in every generation. To live the Christian life, to be the person that God has called us to be, we have always needed the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. In the Jewish Bible that we Christians call the Old Testament, The Holy Spirit was very much at work. How the Holy Spirit would work in the lives of individuals in the Old Testament is that He would come upon some character in the Old Testament and He would stay for a certain period of time until He had finished whatever it is He was wanting to accomplish through that person and then He would leave that person. But in the New Testament, there is a promise that God gave to us That when the Holy Spirit comes to us, He doesn't come upon us like He did in the Old Testament, but He comes into us. And He doesn't just stay for a little while, He stays permanently. Now, everything that I have had to say so far about the Holy Spirit, have you noticed that I've used the word He and Him? Some people, when they talk about the Holy Spirit, say it. In reference to the Holy Spirit, as though He's some inert force. You and I would never use the word it when we were describing God, would we? No, that would be disrespectful. Well, the truth is, the Holy Spirit is God. And in fact, everything that we have to say, that the Bible has to say about God, it also has to say about the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit. Is God. So don't use the word it. Use the word he and him. Paul reminds us in Galatians chapter 3 verse 14, God redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. So what is the promise of the Spirit? That promise is given to us in the book of Joel, chapter 2, and verse 28. And notice what he says, and afterward. That word, afterward, is actually in the passage, meaning after the Messiah comes. After the Messiah comes, afterward, I will pour out my Spirit on all people, meaning Jews and Gentiles alike. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. There was this promise of the Holy Spirit coming in a different way than we had ever experienced in the Bible before. Jesus, talking to his disciples, said to them, You have experienced the Holy Spirit. He's come upon you and then he's left you and then he's come upon you again and left you to accomplish whatever goals that I've given you to do. But when I leave, something different is going to happen. The Holy Spirit will come in you and he will stay in you permanently. Listen to how he put it. In John chapter 14 verse 16, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He, circle the word he, is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him, circle the word him, because it isn't looking for him, circle the word him. And does it recognize him, circle the word him, but you know him, circle the word him, because he, circle the word he. But you know him because he lives with you now, but later he will be in you. I had you circle all those hims and he's because I'm wanting to lock this thing down. When the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit, The Bible always talks about he and him. Jesus said there is a promise that God has made. And that is, he said, when I leave, the Holy Spirit will come. But this time, his coming will be different than any other time before. This promise that Jesus gave actually came to pass 10 days after he ascended back into heaven. Ten days after Jesus has ascended to heaven, all of the, the believers, and there's 120 now, that are gathered in the upper room are praying, and they are pouring out their heart to God. They're cleaning up their act. They're getting the sin out of their life. They're getting their relationships cleaned up with each other. And at the end of the ten days, on a day called the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fell upon this group, and went into this group. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. He came inside them, never to leave again. Not only did he come inside and indwell them, he comes inside of us and indwells our life as well. At the very moment that we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, he comes to live inside of us. Listen to what Paul says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 2. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? Everybody knew that what Paul was saying is, uh, the answer was very obvious. They came, when they came to receive Jesus Christ as Savior, the Holy Spirit immediately came inside of them. They came to know Christ by faith alone, not by a list of rituals, religious rituals, not by a list of of, uh, rules and regulations, but by a relationship with Jesus Christ. And immediately when they gave their heart to Christ, the Holy Spirit came to live inside them. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 9, however, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. The Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, these are simply two titles of the Holy Spirit of God. And what he is saying is this, if you don't have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, you do not know Christ as your Savior. The opposite is just as true. If you've given your heart to Jesus Christ, if you've accepted Jesus into your heart, the Holy Spirit has come to live inside you. The second thing that the Bible teaches us is that the Holy Spirit baptizes us into God's family. Not only does he come to dwell inside of us, but he baptizes us, he says, into God's family. Notice what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. For we were all baptized by one Spirit. Stop for just a moment. He's not talking about water baptism. He's talking about Spirit baptism. He's talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Circle the word By. For we were all baptized by. The Greek word that is translated by means in, by, or with. All three of those words, this word means. In, by, or with the Holy Spirit. For we were all baptized in, by, and with the Spirit into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free. And we were all given the one Spirit to drink. This body that he's talking about us being baptized in is the body of Christ. It's the church. The church is the body of Christ. And all of us have been baptized into the body of Christ. Now, let's try to get even another step clearer. Listen to the Living Bible in the very same passage of Scripture. Each of us is a part of the one body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some of us are Gentiles. Some are slaves and some are free. But the Holy Spirit has fitted us all together into one body. We have been baptized into Christ's body by the one Spirit and have all been given that same Holy Spirit. Do we believe in the baptism in by and with the Holy Spirit? Well, of course we do because it's in the Bible. So what does it mean? One of the ways in which you can grab hold of the meaning of the baptism in by and with the Holy Spirit is the word entrance. At the point that we receive Jesus Christ as Savior, the Holy Spirit enters our life. And the Holy Spirit enters us into the body of Christ. Both of these things happen at the very point when we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior, He comes to live inside of us. doesn't mean He fills our life. The filling of the Holy Spirit is the more we yield ourselves, the more we surrender ourselves to God, the greater His filling in our life. There's a third thing that I notice in, this, in the Bible, and it's this. The Holy Spirit sanctifies us. Galatians 3.3, listen to what he says. After beginning with the Spirit, are you now going to be made complete by the flesh? He asked the question, but the answer is obviously no. So what does he mean? What he is talking about is what is called in the Bible the sanctification by the Holy Spirit. The idea of sanctification is the work of the Holy Spirit in making us whole, W-H-O-L-E, making us whole and holy. The sanctification of the Holy Spirit is God changing us, the Holy Spirit changing us to be more and more and more like Jesus Christ. At Sugar Creek, the word that is in the Bible, sanctification, We use, we call life change to love and lead all people to life change in Christ. That idea of life change means that more and more God is remaking us from the inside out to be just like Jesus Christ. Life change is simply another way of saying sanctification, And when the Bible talks about sanctification, about those who know Christ as Savior, it talks about sanctification in three different ways. First of all, it says we are sanctified, set apart for God at the very moment that we accept Christ as Savior. But it also says we are continually being sanctified by the Holy Spirit. He is changing us day by day by day to be more and more like Jesus Christ. And one day, He will complete the work of sanctification when we are in the presence of God and you and I will be just like Jesus Christ. Oh, come Lord Jesus. Amen. We came to know Christ as Savior and we were sanctified. We are being sanctified and one day we will be completely sanctified. Now, would you do me a favor right now? Would you repeat this word after me? Sanctification. Would you say that? One more time, sanctification. Would you say it? I just wanted you to hear yourself say it. The word sanctification is simply God changing us from the inside out to be more and more like Jesus Christ. God does not want us to be splintered. He doesn't want us to be fractured. He doesn't want us to be held down by our past. I want you to know you can be liberated. All of those broken parts through your life, all of those hurtful times as you were growing up, all of those times that you went through such deep wounds, you don't have to live with that. The Holy Spirit does not want us to be splintered or fractured or held down by our past. He wants us to be made complete, and it's the job of the Holy Spirit to do that. He is making us whole and holy. One guy explained it this way to me. He said, the Holy Spirit is working in us to get to the thing beneath the thing. Well, what in the world does that mean? Uh, let me illustrate it this way. The city of Houston fills approximately, I'm not talking about the greater Houston here, I'm just talking about the, the, the proper, Houston proper, fills the, an average of 50,000 potholes every single year. Now, they've got more than 50,000 potholes, I can tell you, because I've driven on some of those streets. They haven't filled them all, but they fill, on average, 50,000 potholes every single year. So, what, is, what causes potholes? Well, I've got it right off their website. Here we go. A pothole forms when water has seeped under the pavement and into the road base. As vehicles run over the weakened areas, the pavement disappears, and the hole gets larger. Aren't you so glad you came to church today? We learn so much in this church. It's absolutely amazing. Did you know that the city of Houston has so many potholes, they have a pothole tracker on their website? You can actually track your favorite pothole. You can look it up and see what's going to happen with your pothole. Every one of us in this room have potholes. Every one of us. On Sunday, we get all cleaned up, and we come to church, and we look so holy, and we even smile at all the right times. But the truth is, every single one of us in this room have potholes. We have weakened areas in our life. And sometimes what happens is people run over us. People bump us, and they wound us, and a hole begins. A crack starts, and we react. And sometimes we look at our lives and we say, I don't even know why I'm doing that. How is it that that anger comes out of my life so fast? Where did that reaction come from? Why is it that I keep giving in to that same sin? The reason is because usually when we experience potholes in our life, we come and we fill them back up again and make everything level again, but we still haven't gotten to the thing that is underneath the thing, and that's why we don't experience healing. One of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is to be at work in our life, to get to the thing that's under the thing. It is amazing how many marriages could be repaired, it is amazing how many people's lives could be changed and fixed if somehow, some way, we could just get to the thing under the thing. And that is what the Holy Spirit is wanting to do in our life. And the more we yield ourselves to him, the more we're willing to surrender ourselves to his work, the more he changes us. To become more and more like Christ, but as long as we keep making excuses, as long as we just keep filling up the potholes, and we don't allow the Holy Spirit to have access to the depth of our life, all we're doing is filling potholes. The Holy Spirit's desire is to so alter our life from the inside out that He brings wholeness to our lives. And he changes us to be like Jesus Christ, to make us whole and holy. The Bible also says that part of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives is the work of the miraculous. Listen to what he says in Galatians chapter, five, or chapter 3, verse 5. So then, does God supply you with the Spirit and work miracles among you? By the works of the law or by hearing through faith? The answer is obvious, and they would have obviously understood what the point he was making. God does miracles in our life in response to a work of faith. Does God still do miracles today? Well, if he doesn't, I don't want to be pastor anymore. The job's hard enough. But without the power of God, it's impossible. And the truth is, without the work of God in our life, so is the Christian life. Yes, God does miracles today. God does miracles today as a result of answers to prayer. There have been times in which I've prayed, and, there, and, and, and I've prayed and prayed and prayed, and it seemed like it took forever. But then I saw God work. And I saw God meet that need and answer that prayer. Why does God take so long with me? Probably because he's trying to get to the thing under the thing with me. I'm so impatient. But there have been some times in which I've prayed, and it was almost as though before the words could get out of my mouth, the answer had come. And the same thing has happened with you. Yes, God answers prayer. Does God still heal people supernaturally? He most assuredly does. I've seen him do it. I've seen people who had terminal cancer have the cancer totally removed with no explanation other than God had performed a miracle in their life. Yes, he does. He does heal people supernaturally. Does God heal every person supernaturally? No, he doesn't. Why? I don't know. It's going to be one of the questions that I will ask God when I get there because there are some things I don't understand about God, and one of the things I don't understand about God is this issue because I've met people who had such deep faith, strong faith, amazing, amazing faith. And God did not heal them supernaturally. But I have met people that had it seemed like very little faith at all. And yet God healed them supernaturally. Why? I don't know. All I do know is that God has a plan. That God has a will. And He works that will. And sometimes it means... Supernatural healing. I want us to think now broader about that word miraculous. Because this is still a miracle. The Holy Spirit opens our blind eyes and helps us to understand the Bible. And it's a miracle that we do. What do I mean by that? Understanding the Bible is more than reading comprehension. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. And God has actually given us His Spirit, not the world's spirit, so that we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. When we tell you this, we do not use words of human wisdom. We speak words given to us by the Spirit using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. But people who aren't Christians can't understand these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them because only those who have the Spirit can understand what the Spirit means. What he is saying is is that to understand the scriptures requires a miraculous work of God's Spirit in our life to help us to understand what God is really saying and what he is saying to us. The Bible also says that the Holy Spirit guides us to the true north of our life. Would you do me a favor for just a second? Uh, I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to point in just a moment when I count to three. I'm going to ask you to point, and I'm going to ask you to hold the point. So would you do that? Humor me, please. Here we go. I'm going to ask you on the count of three to point to true north. Are you ready? Okay, don't point yet. Don't point yet. Here we go. One, two, three, and hold the point. Okay, okay, hold the point. Here we go. Okay, I have people, some people pointing straight up. (laughs) I have some people pointing to the back, pointing this way, some pointing this way, and some pointing this way. Okay, you can drop your hands and you don't know whether to be embarrassed yet or not <laughs> what if someone did that to me in this room i have never been able to get my directions in this room i don't i can i have the hardest time getting directions in this city Because it feels cockeyed a little bit to me. The major highways go at an angle. They don't go true north and south, east and west, and all of that. It's hard to grab hold of it. And in this room, it just seems impossible. So here's what I did. Before the first service, I got my cell phone. I came into this room. I opened up my compass, and now I knew where true north was went back upstairs, and I started doubting. And so I came back down to check one more time because it didn't seem right to me. See, what seems right to me is that way, but true north is actually right through these two doors. That's true north. Now, how many of you feel really good about the answer to that question? Yeah, there you go. Stop bragging. Stop bragging. The purpose of the Holy Spirit in our life is to always move us to the true north of our Christian life. True north is always the right direction for a Christ follower. For a Christian, true north is always Jesus. It is always honoring and obeying Jesus. He's always going to lead us in the direction of honoring and obeying Jesus. Now, here is what happens to us. Common sense from time to time has us going in the exact opposite direction. It has us going this way, or this way, or that way. No, it just feels right to go a different direction. And we hear the message all the time, hey, just do what feels right. I'm going to tell you what feels right is oftentimes exactly the wrong direction. No, the Holy Spirit says, let me guide you, and I will always lead you in the right direction. And the right direction will always be honoring and obeying the Word of God, honoring and obeying Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit leads us to true north. The Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin. He prays for us. I don't know how many times I've just gone to the Lord and said, I've gone to the Holy Spirit and said to Him, I need you to pray because I don't know what to pray for. I don't know the right way to go. I don't know what the right answer is. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to pray on my behalf. And Romans chapter 8 tells us that's exactly what he does. He prays for us. He gives us spiritual gifts whereby we can serve God and others. He even disciplines us when we are unrepentant. The Holy Spirit gives us the power we need to do the work that He has called us to accomplish. I don't know if you remember in the news six and a half years ago. It's been six and a half years ago since that carnival cruise out in the Gulf. How many of you have gone on a a cruise before? Anybody? A whole lot of you have. The carnival cruise out in the Gulf of Mexico all of a sudden had a fire break out in the power room. And when the fire broke out in the power room, the entire ship lost all power. Now the toilets didn't work. The water didn't work, the air conditioning, but it was in February, so that's the time to lose air conditioning if you're gonna lose it. Lost air conditioning, they couldn't prepare food there were no lights anywhere. People had to sleep out on the deck. They were adrift. The engine didn't work. Nothing worked. None of the controls worked. And so the cruise ship was adrift. And it took four days. Here are these helicopters, news helicopters that are sort of going around and people begging, oh, stop and get me and people were just crying out because they were so miserable. It took four days to finally bring that cruise ship into Mobile, Alabama. And what Carnival discovered is that when the power goes out, the party is over. (laughs) And you know what, the truth is when the power leaves us, misery comes. All of these things are given to us by the Holy Spirit of God, but they're not automatic. You see, there has to be a participation of us with Him. What is my part in the partnership with the Holy Spirit? The power and effectiveness of the Holy Spirit within our life is in direct proportion to our surrender to Him, to our yielding of ourself to Him. The more we yield, the more we surrender, the more powerful He is in our life. The more He changes us, the the more uh, our life is filled with His fullness. The more we surrender, the more we yield to Him. But when we don't surrender, when we don't yield ourselves to Him, we grieve the Holy Spirit. We know what it means to grieve. We grieve the Holy Spirit. The more we rebel against his leadership in our life, the more we quench the Holy Spirit. To quench the Holy Spirit is to put out or stop what the Holy Spirit is wanting to do in our life. And the question I've got for you is, is this where you are? See, this is maybe the reason Why, you're getting nowhere in your Christian life. You have no sense of power in your Christian life. Why, you feel like you're drifting in your Christian life. Because there's no surrender. There is no yielding to God. So how do we fix this? We live in relationship with God by faith not by a bunch of religious rituals, not by a list of rules and regulations. Emphasize the relationship. Here's the key. The key in your Christian life to restart the engines. The key in your Christian life to have more power, more guidance, more strength for living. To understand true north And the right way to go, the key is to emphasize the relationship. Spend time with God. Get into his word every day. Obey what he tells you to do. Practice the presence of God wherever you go. What I've discovered in the Christian life, in my Christian life, is that the more I practice the presence of God wherever I am and whatever I'm doing, the stronger my Christian life is the more yielding I am to God, the more I'm surrendering myself to God. And when I stop practicing the presence of God, the weaker I grow. Practice the presence of God. In your car, there He is. As you're laying in bed, there He is. As you are at work, there He is. Wherever you're going, whatever you're doing, practice the presence of God. And when you practice God's presence, it is amazing what happens in your life. He is there with you. There is a sense of strength. There is a sense of power, but there is also a sense of conviction of sin. There is a cleaning up of our act. There is a deeper sense of surrender and a yielding of our heart. And I'm going to tell you, The more you surrender, the more you yield, the more he fills your life with his power. What do you got to do? What do you need to do? What do you need to change? It's time to start today. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today. And the truth is, many of us in this room, most of us perhaps in this room, already know Jesus as our Savior. And to one degree or another, we are struggling with potholes and we just keep filling them up instead of letting you get to the thing beneath the thing. Instead of letting you clean us up. We'll never be full of the Holy Spirit until we start yielding and surrendering. Oh God, help us learn how to emphasize the relationship. It's not rules and regulations. It's not rituals, it's relationship. Father, I pray that you would move in the hearts of many in this room who do not know Christ as Savior that this would be the day of salvation. Father, I pray that you would move in hearts today of many that are here, that are guests of our church, and there is a sense in their heart, this is my church, this place just feels like home. And today, your spirit is leading them to make Sugar Creek their church home. But Father, I pray that you would move among the many who are here in this room that know Jesus as our personal Savior, but are not letting him be Lord. And oh God, would there be a brokenness in our heart, a yielding of our heart, a surrender of our life. Today, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Right through these doors and out into the commons area, you're going to see a playscape, and to the right of the playscape, you're going to see the next step center. and I want to encourage you in a few moments, the service isn't over yet, but when just a few moments I want to encourage you to go to the next step center. How do I know Christ as my Savior? How do I join this church? How do I take the next step in my Christian life? Go to the next step center and give us the opportunity to spend a few moments with you. This morning we have a great privilege of seeing a young couple in our church obey God and be commissioned as missionaries i've asked pastor don waybright who is our missions pastor to come introduce this family to us and have this time of commissioning of their life to the lord
0: well the glorious god that we experience in worship always leads us into his mission in the world and this morning as we continue in worship the holy spirit is sending the very best to the ends of the earth we had the great joy This morning to commission through the laying of hands and praying over Keaton and Leisha and Roman Cook. Missionaries, representatives of our church and ambassadors of the kingdom of God to the unreached peoples of the Himalayas. We can't state the nation for security purposes, but we sent several teams there in the past year. Keaton, share with us your family's mission to the unreached people of the
2: Himalayas. Well, as Pastor Mark said, our church is, we are joining the Holy Spirit in what he is doing in this very county, in Fort Bend County, and we're surrendering to a movement of the Holy Spirit here, and now that that movement is breaking out all across the world, and specifically in the Himalayas among unreached peoples, and we are joining the Holy Spirit in what he is doing among unreached people groups in the Himalayas, and so our family, uh, being supported as uh, as Paul was supported by the church at Antioch, Sugar Creek is sending us as an extension of of this church to reach the nations there, and so we are going to be making disciples that make disciples and planting churches that plant churches and taking care of this little guy, and so uh, we just have a great, great privilege and honor to represent this church and know that we are backed and supported by such a strong church family. It's our honor, it's our strength, and we will go until our Lord Jesus returns. And he says, that will not happen until Matthew twenty-four, fourteen, until all nations, until all peoples are reached. Revelation 7, 9 says, a vast multitude from every tribe, tongue, and nation. And as I look out at our church, I just see that represented right here in our church, the diversity in our church. But the Nepali people, the people of the Himalayas, those people groups, uh, some of them, many of them are still not represented because they have never heard the gospel proclaimed to them. So this is our great mission as a church and the extension of our family being there. Uh, This is the great joy that we get to participate in. Well, we've sent about seven teams this
0: year. We're going to send even more next year to help you. Well, commissioning this family quite simply means they're being sent through our church. And to truly be sent, one has to have a home. And as a church, we're making a commitment to you uh, that you have a home here. This is your family. And it's been a long journey of preparation for you to be on this stage today. And now, before the Lord and before this church, we invite you to make the following commitment. Let's look at these words. Since the gospel is the world's only hope... Do you commit to abide in Christ and His call in your life? To live and proclaim Him and make disciples alongside other Christians? To remember His church that sent you, and to maintain your hope in Him when the trials inevitably come? If so, say we do. We do. Amen. Well, if, if church members, if you're a member of this church or if you're a family or friends that are committed to love and support this family on their journey, please stand at this time as we as a church make a commitment to them. Friends, the pastors and the mission leaders of this church commend this family to you as godly leaders whose lives and motives have been examined, whom we believe the Lord has called to go to the ends of the earth for the sake of the gospel? Do you commit to supporting them as they pursue the great commission of Jesus Christ with prayer and friendship and financial resources and partnership, not forgetting that they are extensions of our Sugar Creek family? If so, say, we do. Amen. Amen. Now, if you would just remember, remain standing we're going to commission them and recognize what the holy spirit is doing in and through them by the laying of hands and praying over them so remain standing and pray with us and extend your hands as an as a symbol of support just gather around oh abba father abba father we just praise you that from the foundations of time that you've chosen this family lord for such a time as this, a place as this, for a purpose such as this, Lord God. And we ask that the Holy Spirit that's working in and through them will now just give even greater gifts, Lord God, greater aptitude for this task, Lord God, that you've called them to, Lord Jesus Christ, that they may make you famous in this region, Lord, amongst these unreached peoples, Lord Jesus Christ. We pray that you will be their rear guard, protecting them and giving them health and safety, Lord God. We ask that you give them special favor and aptitude and language learning and, and the learning and adapting to the culture, Lord God. We pray that the spear of the gospel would go forth from them, Lord, making disciples, multiplying your church, Lord Jesus Christ. May you be the light that shines amongst the people in darkness, Lord Jesus Christ. And may the principalities and powers tremble at your presence, Lord God. But we ask that the very presence of Lord sustain them, Lord God. We pray that your presence will be refreshed upon this family daily, Lord, moment by moment, Lord God, that there is Intimacy with you will just increase and yield incredible fruit for your glory, Lord Jesus Christ. We ask that the zeal of the Lord do this. And we pray this in the name and the authority of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Oh, we got an awesome mission, an awesome purpose in this region, in this city, to the Americas, and to the nations. And our purpose is to love and lead all people to life change in Christ. Be a blessing to God this week.